but we know it's a trap. But we don't know it's an ocean. Hello, and welcome to the Newton Knowledge Podcast. My name is Mark Singer, partner of Newton One Advisors. The Newton Knowledge Podcast will provide meaningful content to our valued advisor community and anyone who is interested in learning more about sophisticated insurance-related topics focused on estate planning and executive benefits. Our discussions will deliver unique insights into the people, processes, and products that make our industry so critical. Newton One is a national life insurance planning firm delivering customized insurance solutions structured to help clients and advisors engaged in solving estate planning, wealth transfer, business succession, and executive benefits challenges. We are a member of the M Financial Group, which grants our clients access to the nation's elite carriers and exclusive products only available through our network. Today, I'm joined by my friend and personal accountant, Daniel Valentino, at his beautiful firm, Fenstemacher & Co. in Greenville, Delaware, the great first state. How are we doing today, Dan? We're doing very well. Great day to do this. I mean, we're inside, but it's, it's a phenomenal day. And, and thank you for that lovely introduction. So, and, and speaking about introductions, Dan, can you give us, um, you know, give us a, a bio on yourself, your practice, what you focus on, what Fenstemacher focuses on, but most importantly, your beautiful family as well. Sure, sure thing. So um, I've been practicing tax for probably over about 15 years, uh, CPA for most of that. And the majority of my practice has been in the trust and estate field, where I learned uh, trust and estates at big banks um, and was able to kind of take that to a CPA firm like Fenstemacher. I've been here for about four years heading up the trust and estate practice. So um, what we do is we cater to a lot of our business clients and helping them out with both estate planning um, and income tax planning and ha uh, have that segue into the kind of the trust and estate realm. In addition, we also help a lot of clients that have trust and estate needs, either big banks that don't have that practice, the tax practice, or just individual trustees that, that need that tax return prepared or, or guidance in that field. We prepare around 200 trusts for uh, trust and state, like 1041s for our clients. And that also includes kind of like other estate type returns, like the PA inheritance return, uh, 706, which is the estate return, 709 is your gift tax returns, as well as other types of uh, various trust forms. From a business standpoint, that's kind of where we're at um, and what we do. Personally, my son just turned, uh, well, is turning seven, and we just had a um, wonderful birthday party. My wife's doing very well, and we're going to have to get um, both of our kids plus us out golfing soon uh, and enjoy some of this amazing weather. The weather has been beautiful for that, and we, <laughs> need, to, we need to do that. That's a definite. Um, so how are you recovering from the uh, tax deadline being over? It was exhausting. <laughs> I, I will say it's kind of one of those accomplished exhausting feels. So... I'm not sure if you're aware, but there's less tax accountants than there used to be. Um, Why is that? People are not choosing tax when they graduate in accounting. Accounting enrollment is actually down. So we were just at uh, Westchester University. I was, I was speaking there um, in, at my alma mater, and the, the, the enrollment's down. The interest is down. It could be the hours, the tax season hours. I mean, it's there's a lot there. Um, it could also just be the change in people's um, idea of what they want to do for a living. I mean, instead of being behind a desk, you want to TikTok or Zoom. I, be an influencer. Yeah, be yeah. an influencer. <laughs> um, so what that means is we have 
less tax accountants, more work. I mean, the work hasn't gone down. People still need their returns. And so we're trying to find different ways of getting all that done, but we still have a deadline. So we prepared more returns than we had in prior years, did it by 415. Um, so, I mean, it was it was a very satisfying deadline, but we are absolutely exhausted at, afterwards. So now we are recovering. We're doing our, our May 15th work and starting into the planning for the summer. So... Well, we, I appreciate you taking the time to do this with us, and I know we had to be strategic in our approach on when we were going to do this to be very um, cognizant of that deadline. So yeah. I'm glad you're here. Speaking of proactive planning, what can an individual do in preparing their, their tax returns on an individual basis to, to assist with their return? There's two really good times to do tax planning. One is always at the end of the year. Like, you don't want to wait until December, but like October, November, um, you you know what your year's income is going to look like, and then you can kind of make decisions in terms of expenditures and things like that to help reduce or plan accordingly. The other time is actually right after tax season. You've just gone through everything. You have all your information. What I like to do is have a like a post-tax season meeting with some of our clients and, and kind of like digest what we just did and and this is why your return was like this and um, what we can do over the summer um, if there's any type of gain harvesting or, or loss harvesting more specifically or any other type of thing that was impacting their returns that you could take more of advantage of now and plan for it going forward. Um, and even as simple as making sure the estimates are calculated correctly uh, for 2022 or, I'm sorry, 2023's income. So having that, done earlier in the year allows someone to be able to adjust their finances or expenses appropriately instead of having to like cut a big check or, or do something big at the end of the year. In the end of the year is really when we like to do a lot of, okay, here's where we're at. If you want to make your big charitable donation, this is kind of what you would be looking at. Um, if you want to invest in a trust, we would need to be doing it by year end. This is what the income tax and estate tax would be. So we do a lot of like estate income tax planning for the next year, kind of towards at the end of the year. So um, one of the things that has been a popular talking point is Roth conversions. So income's been down. I mean, we, we've kind of gone through a hellish market. Um, and with some people, it makes sense to do a Roth conversion. Have that income hit when your rate is as low as it can be. Pay the tax, both so that you don't have to pay the tax when you retire, but also when you pass, your beneficiaries now can enjoy that tax-free. So, Do you think that's changed a little bit also due to the SECURE Act and things that have changed in, in those regards and mandatory distributions and 10-year yes. limitation? The Roths are now more acceptable yeah. like, or, or, or the appetite for Roths are higher that's because now with the with the reduction of the stretch IRA, which is what you're talking about, now people are like, okay, well, I have to take it on like a 10-year window. And now we're, there's even talks about having to take it like radically over the 10-year window instead of just at the end of the year, at the beginning of the year, or, or wherever you want it, um, to, to withdraw the RMD. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of planning on just the Roth conversions alone. We, I'm going through one client whose estate is big enough where – do the Ross conversion, pay the tax on it. It brings your estate down. Your beneficiaries are getting tax-free inheritance. So um, it kind of is hitting a, a lot of points. And also um, you're, you're kind of getting your um, tax paid now. So 
Um, it does kind of bring into the, uh, the the talking point of are taxes going to increase or decrease? Like, will will the rate be higher or lower in the future? And we just don't know. But, I mean, what we do know is what's going on right now. And if it makes sense to do a Roth conversion, I mean, it, probably probably do it. Talk to your financial advisor. Um, talk to your estate lawyer. One of the things that I do make sure to bring into consideration is when we digest an income tax plan and we hit on things like estate or finances, they have to be brought brought into play. You need all you need all of the experts to do this correct. That's I mean that's our model is collaborating with the experts and advisors such as yourself, the, the estate planning attorney, the financial advisor, the wealth planner. It's funny you brought up just Roth conversions organically and, and with income being lower, it makes sense to take that tax burden now versus having it distributed over a duration of time where your earnings may be higher, mm-hmm. as well as for your, your beneficiaries. And that's something we're in the life insurance business. So when life insurance makes sense as an opportunity or solution, that being one of them, if a Roth conversion, maybe that tax burden's too high, we've done briefings on leveraging certain um, distributions now, putting them in a survivorship policy, and then seeing what the IRR is from a premium to death benefit standpoint, really to increase her- inheritance with minimal taxation, just as one solution in conjunction with a Roth conversion. Well, and you even hit, so, and this kind of goes back to a conversation you and I had probably a year or two ago, um, where we're trying to do, like, we're, we're trying to hit a lot of goalposts at once. So yeah. I don't want to just do an income tax plan because that may negatively impact the finance or the estate. Or So... Um, one of the things that you and I were talking about was um, a number of years ago, we were talking about CRUTS, Charitable Remainder Trust, which is a good income tax and estate plan tool, but you're giving a lot of asset away and it's going to charity. So your beneficiaries aren't getting it. But the a beauty to something like that is you get a payback in return, which you then can turn around and use to pay a life insurance policy, the premiums yeah. on life insurance. So you're, you're making up the beneficiary inheritance. You're taking a taxable product, giving it to charity, getting an income tax benefit, and then taking the premiums and getting it to a policy to get it out of your estate if done right, or or just kind of helping out from an after-tax or, or non-taxable stand- standpoint for the beneficiary. So, I mean, there are ways to um, do that type of plan to help um, the beneficiaries or whomever your inheritance is going to, to be tax-free. And Roth Convergence is one, that, that little crut Thing that we were talking about yeah. with uh, um, insurance premiums has actually been very interesting as well. And the key component of that is everyone has to be on the same page. Yeah, yeah. You, you, need, you need you need a few hats. I mean, mm-hmm. you're not you're not doing a crut with a life insurance rider um, without talking to to someone like you. Um, and also, the estate lawyer needs the to sign off on everything as well. I mean, it, it does take a number of hats, but when when it works, I mean, you're 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 talking big savings. Yeah. For sure. So we're in Greenville. Greenville's beautiful, by the way. I really do, <laughs> really do like this area. So we're headquartered in Newark. I'm sure you hear this all the time. Delaware Trusts, what are the yeah. advantages? And in terms of having a CPA involved with your, your trust administration and trust planning work, why is that so important? And why are Delaware Trusts so, so unique in their own regards? Well, let's take it off for why Delaware? Like, yeah. why Delaware Trust? And, and Delaware has a very long a litigious history with trust. So there's a lot of court cases around trust, which is very good in the planning aspects. Um, lawyers 
using predetermined court cases like settled, settled law um, to build trust product in a way that they know it's going to survive being challenged by the courts. There is a very rich history with Delaware in terms of we know these trusts that we're putting in front of you are going to stand up against any type of um, litigious nature that is out there. So as Delaware Asset Protection Trusts are, are very popular, um, and, and they're there for that reason. They're using a lot of court cases that, that have gone through. Um, so, that, so that when we provide a product, we know it's going to stand up. Um, the other aspect, I mean, and then there are a few, but the other another aspect is if you have someone outside of Delaware wants to create a trust, Delaware will allow an income tax deduction for beneficiaries outside of Delaware. So you put the money in, in a Delaware trust, it just accumulates and earns and, and eventually will pay out, but it won't pay Delaware tax as long as the beneficiaries live outside of Delaware. So there, there, from a tax standpoint, you, you can avoid Delaware taxation, state taxation. Um, and then finally, one of the big ones is, is the perpetuity laws. So a Delaware trust can last a lot longer than most other states. A lot of states will have a, a year capped on it so that after a, after it reaches their uh, their term, then it has to distribute out, go into someone's estate because they, they want the money to actually get to the next generation or the beneficiaries. Delaware will allow it to, to keep going. So That's huge. Yeah. What about, you brought up where are taxes going, and I'd love to know if you had the answer to that specifically, but I know uh, we don't have a crystal ball. But <laughs> in terms of some of the legislation that's out there now, um, the exemption is set to sunset. What are your thoughts on that, as well as just taxes in general um, ongoing? I mean, we don't really know where taxes are going, but we do know some things that are happening. So in 2026, we know the estate exemption, which was doubled um, with the passing of the Tax Cut and Jobs Act. Mm -hmm. So it's now sitting around, um, what is it, like 12, 12 million? 12.6, yeah. yeah. Per, per person. Mm -hmm. So um, you almost have like 25 and a half million for a, a married couple. And in 2026, it's going to be the highest it's ever been. Yes, yeah. yeah, by far. Yep. And in 2026, 1 1 2026, it's going to sunset back to what it was before. So around $6 million per person. Um, at $12 million, a lot of people's estates are fully covered. At $6 million, not so much. So one of the things that I've been doing is talking with my clients, hey, in, in a couple of years, we're going to have a serious conversation. Where is your estate at? And do we need to start planning for this? And starting the conversation now helps a, oh my God, what's going to happen in December of 2025, especially if... Congress doesn't come together and, and work together to extend this. If, that never if that's happens. even what they do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so what I like to do is find something that not only just works and utilizes the, the very high estate lifetime exclusion now, but even if it didn't sunset and it, it continues, it's still beneficial for them. So trust that, that protect the assets from, from divorces for beneficiaries. I mean, that, that's huge considering yeah. the divorce rate that's going on. Um, special needs trusts are very important. Um, even the charitable remainder trusts with, with the interest rates being as high as they are, they're very beneficial. Like, I mean, giving the, the assets directly to the charity is great. Giving 
um, the assets to the charity in 20 years and getting a continual payment back the entire time. I mean, sometimes that, that yeah. makes even more sense. So um, there's a lot of planning that goes on and each client is different. So starting the talk and, and finding out, well, what are your goals? Do you want your children to live tax-free off of your inheritance? Um, maybe those Roth conversions. I mean, it, it hits a number of things. But the biggest impact, yeah, is is the um, sunset of the lifetime exemption as well as um, some of the things that came into that um, double double the uh, personal exemptions and things like that. Yeah. One of the things that is very important, especially in the trust and state field, of navigating that is making sure that the CPA knows the trust and state process. Um, there's a lot of CPA firms that, that will prepare 1041, but something like that we have uh, here at Fenstermacher is the expertise of being able to assist guidance on well, what's what's in your trust. So I threw out things like CRUT or special needs trust, but like what really makes them that? And and how from an individual individual trustee, why do they need like a CPA to help them with it? And it's one of the big reasons is because you can blow something up unintentionally, like the best of best of um, intentions, and still blow up a trust and have it fail and, and maybe even be challenged by the courts. So Having someone that that knows the just not even just the prep of the 1041, but knows how it's supposed to work to provide guidance, make sure that you're not paying expenses on behalf of the trust just to kind of get it ready for filing um, and making sure that the trust pays it. So there are there are a number of, of nuances that come with being a trustee or creating a trust that you want to make sure you have that constant um, source of guidance on. And, and that's something that I've really seen, um, that, that I've really been able to bring to our clients. Is that something, Chad, I, when Fenstermacher was founded, is that, has, been, has that been their practice, or is this something relatively new? I know it's unique to the industry. Chad and Bill, well, Bill, yeah. um, founded the company being a, a family-friendly tax office. I mean, family-friendly firm. And um, we have always built close relationships with our clients and been able to offer them guidance in their tax needs um, as much as possible. We started having a very specialized trust and state practice, probably, um, I think it was uh, before I got here. Um, but what caused me to step into the role was she retired. Mm -hmm. So we needed to keep that going. And one of the things, the reason why Chad found someone like me was, he realized that having that um, in-depth experience in trust and estates is very valuable because not just anyone can answer a question about gifting or, or estate or trust. I mean, you need someone as knowledgeable as that as, the, as on the business side, someone that, that can point to um, the, the distribution versus uh, wage compensation for S-corporations. I mean, yeah. tax is a huge umbrella and having those specialists uh, in each field is very, very valuable. That's why our firms have worked so closely over the years, because yeah. of the, the knowledge within the estate planning world, and specifically trusts. Which brings me to my next question, grantor trusts, and the proposal of actually including it in, in the grantor's estate upon death. Essentially, from our perspective, is taxing death benefit proceeds from life insurance policies of housed in, in these trusts. 
So that was somewhat alarming in our industry because that's one of the huge advantages these solutions provide for our clientele from a tax mitigation standpoint. What are your thoughts on that proposal? And I know it was shot down, but it, it was the first time that it was brought up. So it's somewhat alarming. It, it is. And I mean, what we see is depending upon, I guess, the party in charge or, or the party going for in charge. Um, will like Democrat, like, like uh, what you were bringing up, it was in, the, um, in Biden's Build Back Better. Yeah. Yep. And a portion of that was stating grantor trusts would be included in the estate for estate tax purposes. The IRS just released a revenue ruling um, a little bit ago and said irrevocable grantor trusts that are not included in the estate don't get a step up in basis. So they're, they're kind of providing a reverse guidance on this. Um, not all grantor trusts are included in the estate. Um, and just kind of goes to the earlier point, depending upon uh, the, the type of powers. There's a lot of different grantor powers. One of the abilities or, or one of the powers for the life insurance trust that you were talking about is does not have the trust get included. Yeah. So it, it doesn't get a step up, but it's also not in the estate. So it, it works for um, the planning that you guys are still doing. But there's always a concern that, that something like that could get through. In the Build Back Better, it was dropped along with, I think there was like a loss of step up in basis or, or taxing capital gains currently or unrealized gains currently. I know it wasn't, that's tough to say it wasn't a popular idea because it made the bill, but it did get shot down. And I know that there was a few versions of Build Back Better, um, and I don't know if it survived to the last one before it got shot down, but it, it can always come back. The one thing I do like, though, is planning right now. Um, when something like that came up, we all kind of got those memos um, to show, hey, you know what, this is in there. And I think even Chad and I had a webinar about the Build Back Better and everything in it. Yeah, I think... By the time we released it, <laughs> all provisions were dropped out. So we're like, this is a little stale. Yeah. But, um, but I mean, and that's something that we try and provide, like um, routine guidance on that. Like uh, you, you've been on uh, on a webinar that we've had for our clients. Mm -hmm. um, we try and do that on any new topics that are coming through, like the, the grantor trust not getting a step up if they're not included in the estates. It sounds like some CPAs were trying to kind of have your cake and eat it too and saying, hey, we got it out of your estate. Uh, you use your lifetime exemption so that it's not included in your estate, but we're going to step it up in basis. I mean, that, that's not how it works. Um, and the IRS was clarifying that position. So it is something that we're going to keep monitoring as we go through. I know when, when that came out on a number of trusts, we were thinking about um, talking to the lawyers to release the grantor power mm -hmm. that would that would retain the grantor status um, because if it gets included, I mean, it would only get included if it was still a grantor trust. So yeah. um, there are planning ways up around that, um, but we would need like actual guidance or, or we would want to make sure that actually goes into law before making any type of decision like that. Cause I mean, well, well, no, and that's a good point. I mean, you plan for now with the flexibility to, I hate using this word, but pivot later. Mm-hmm. And, to go, and grantor trust aside, but going back to the exemption, people who may be teetering above or just below, if it drops, they'll be above. Um, that's been the, the conversation we've had with our, our valued advisor community more on the estate planning side is, 
you know, do we start gifting now? Is yeah. this really going to drop? Am I okay with separating with this amount of assets now? Is that has that come up in in your planning? It has, um, and it, it, it's weird. But um, I had a client that said, "I'm I'm, I'm okay with that. The IRS can take." 45% yeah. plus Pennsylvania can come in and take their four and a half percent. And, and he's fine. The kids are just going to get plenty. Um, and others where unfortunately a, a spouse dies. And I'm, so I have a conversation with them. I'm like your estate is around 6 million. Yeah. Like if, um, if you pass after 2026, you could have a, a taxable estate. So we, we file the, the deceased spouse and use exemption. Um, to, to preserve the unused lifetime exemption being around 12 million um, for for the surviving spouse and and that's been it, it, it it's less about kind of like planning or state planning I know it, it is that but it's more for peace of mind for the surviving spouse I mean there's a lot going on it's like just don't worry about a state tax like yeah. you're not your estate's not going to be over 18 million. But at least it's not something you have to kind of go in depth about. Like you're covered, um, and, it, and it's a really easy process for that. And I've seen a lot of people just want to go down that route. As we as we come to our conclusion, you've stated this earlier in your 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 labor field, CPA is just coming into the marketplace. It's down. Do you see this affecting tax planning? Has it already affected tax planning? Um, and if so, where do you see it going in the future? I'll say two big things are, are impacting the tax world mm-hmm. um, and, and in as much tax planning. Change of technology and, and the personnel. Um, there are less people to do the same work, but also technology has improved in a lot of ways that we really wouldn't, we wouldn't have expected it to. And for tax planning, I mean, being able to do it virtually, I mean, the, the, and the software that we have, can run multiple scenarios of, of similar um, tax strategies. And you can see them side by side and get a, a nice visual representation of what's going on. Also, because of how on-demand information is nowadays, we have like AICPA putting out constant bulletins of, of changes in law. So unfortunately, with, with reduced capacity. Um, I mean, tax planning is going into certain directions of, hey, we want to make sure that if someone can capitalize on a Roth conversion, that they do so now. Things like we used to call for planning, do you pay your state taxes in December or January? I mean, because of the $10,000 cap on uh, on the SALT deduction, it's not as necessary anymore. So we, we try and the ugly word that you were pointing out. We try and pivot to make sure that our, our clients are still getting the same level of um, tax planning that they need um, while also being able to use a lot of the new technology, being able to work from home um, so that if something happens on a Saturday, I can be able to like kind of log in and get it done and just get that constant um, flow of information from AICPA or even the IRS um, has been very helpful as well. Is there anything else you want to add for our, our listeners and viewers? This has been very informative, um, and I appreciate you taking the time to, to go over everything with us today. I got to say thank you so much for inviting me on here. I mean, yeah. I know you've done a, a number of other people. I mean, tax is some of the tax a lot of times is one of those things where you just kind of think about when you go to file your returns. And it's never a fun conversation because it usually ends up with you having to pay something. Um, but 
when I see people do tax planning and go through the motions, I mean, it really does help them out. It just is, uh, it takes a weight off of their shoulders in terms of things that they just have to worry about. Um, and what we've been able to do with our clients, both on the trust and estate side and, and the expertise that we bring to that field, um, it's really been a, a positive move for a lot of the clients in this area. So um, thank you so much for, for inviting me in here and uh, being able to just kind of share this. Dan, thank you for hosting us. This was great. <laughs> we appreciate it. And Newton One is, um, we're very appreciative and gracious to have a partner in Fenstermacher and you and your team and to really take a holistic approach when it comes to planning. Um, it's it's great for everyone who's involved in that engagement, particularly the client. So thank you, Dan. <laughs>